another in MacWorld series of MacWorld Expo podcast, part of our week-long coverage of the most exciting Apple event of the year. In the next few minutes, you'll hear from some of the best and brightest in the industry, including MacWorld editors and the movers and shakers in the Apple universe. And now, this episode's guest host. MacWorld Podcast, MacWorld Expo Special Edition for Thursday, January 17th, 2008, sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Macworld Podcast listeners can get a free audiobook now at www.audiblepodcast.com slash Macworld. Welcome to Macworld's Macworld Expo Special Edition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. We're past the halfway point of the biggest week in all things Apple. If you've just awoken from a much-needed 92-hour nap, you'll want to travel to Macworld.com and take a listen to the panoply of podcasts we released during the past couple of days. For something a little bit more up-to-date, we turn to this episode's host. Okay, and are we... Uh... All right. We're back on the floor of Macworld Expo. It is now Thursday, the penultimate day of Macworld Expo. And uh, I am sitting at the Macworld booth inside the fishbowl, waving to Dan Morin, who's outside. And he's, he's doing the finger point thing. And uh, I'm sitting at the table with senior contributor Ted Landau. And uh, I think everybody listening to this should know who Ted is. But uh, for the two of you who do not, because you were just born yesterday, Ted was the founder of Mac Fix It. Ted has been uh, writing about Macintosh troubleshooting and just about everything else about the Mac for years and years and years and years and years, and yet he's still just 22, so he apparently started uh, in utero. Which makes me, I think, three years older than you. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, here we are. I mean, we're we're at an expo. This is a a big show, but in kind of an interesting way that um, we thought rather than just say, oh, you know, what have you seen and that sort of thing, we would talk about expo from the viewpoint of an iPhone user, because both Ted and I have written iPhone books, and uh, an iPhone update has come out, 113 was announced the other day and was released, as well as an iPod Touch update, and so uh, Ted, I wanted to talk to you about how uh, how iPhone users should view Macworld Expo. Sure. Well, why don't we start with the keynote? All right. And of course, the, one of the first announcements of the keynote was the iPhone and iPod Touch update. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the iPod Touch update is interesting for iPhone users because I think it, it'll, it narrows the gap a lot between the, the iPhone and the iPod. I, I had been taken to saying to people that, you know, the iPod Touch is not really an iPhone-less iPhone. It's more like an iPod with Wi-Fi capability. Uh, but now with, with the added uh, applications that the iPod Touch has, I think really the iPod Touch is an iPhone-less iPhone. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it has the maps, the stocks, the weather, all the things that, that, I, that I used to say you couldn't get unless you got the iPhone, and now you can. So uh, if you don't want an iPhone, an iPod Touch is, is the way to go. You're right. So specifically we're missing a speaker, a camera, and... And the Edge Network. And the Edge Network. That's, and the Edge Network is the biggest thing because, you know, if you're going to want to, want to use maps, often you're going, to, you're going to want to use it while you're walking around on a street, say, to find where, where the place is that you're looking to go. Uh, you won't be able to do that with an iPod Touch unless you're able to hook into a hotspot that happens to be nearby. Yeah, well, I, I thought that was sort of interesting because I, uh, originally when we uh, you heard the rumors of the 113 update and the, um, the added features to maps where you'd be able to use Locate, mm-hmm. 
I think we all thought, okay, well, they're going to use cell tower triangulation, and therefore you will not be able to do it with the iPod Touch. And, and Steve Jobs made a point to say, no, 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 we actually do this with Wi-Fi as well, which is why it, it works on the Touch. Yeah, I mean, but interesting to see. I'm wondering how more or less accurate the iPod Touch is going to be because it doesn't have the cell tower. You know, doing Wi-Fi hotspots seems tricky in the sense that those high... I can't even talk right now. These Wi-Fi hotspots could come and go. The one that, yeah. one that they mapped yesterday might not be here the next day. So, yeah, I was uh, I was sitting in the speaker's lounge yesterday, and I updated my iPod Touch, and we can talk about the difficulties or ease of doing that and, and the iPhone update. Um, but it nailed it. I, I chose the locate function, and it knew exactly where I was. I mean, there was Moscone Center, and there was my body and I was waving to myself and there were the FBI agents shortly after (laughs) exactly we know exactly where you are don't think that you can get away from us Um, so it you know unlike with uh, have you used Navazon on on the iPhone which is for those why don't you tell people what that is if you've hacked your iPhone if you've jailbroken your iPhone as as we in the business call it uh, (laughs) then you can add third party software and Navazon is, uh, is is one that triangulates as well, uh, works indirectly through a website that you initially sign up on, and uh, it, it can you know, locate you within several miles of where you actually are. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not entirely accurate, and, uh, and at least so far I've found that, that locate is more accurate. I'll have to try it when I, when I get home. You know, when I was home, I think it told me that uh, I lived about four miles offshore, right? <laughs> so I'm sort of a floating out there in the ocean somewhere. Every once in a while it nails it when I try it. And too often it says it can't triangulate at all, which, yeah. which makes it not all that useful. Yeah, right. So having the Wi-Fi access uh, to be able to locate yourself is, is really a boon. Okay, so during the keynote we talked about that. What Anything else during keynote? Well, sure. The um, Of course now you can use movies on your iPhone as you can with, 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 with all the other iPods. Uh, made me think about the the uh, MacBook Air, mm-hmm. and I had originally, going into the exp- the keynote, you know, I knew that that was coming, as did, I think, everybody sitting right. there, and uh, I was thinking, you know, do I want one? And in the typical Steve Jobs reality distortion field effect, I walked out of there convinced I was going to get one, but I knew that that is what happens every time I leave a keynote, so I religiously waited at least 24 hours before I make any purchasing decision. And by the next morning, I decided, no, I wasn't going to get one for various reasons, the many compromises that everyone has talked about. But I was thinking, you know, what I really want is not, for me personally anyway, is not a MacBook Air, but an expanded iPhone. Really? One one that can... I'm happy with the iPhone, and it seems to me... I'm sure a few years from now, we'll we'll see an iPhone that's dramatically different from what it is now. But without much effort, it could be a lot better than as a general purpose device than it already is and it's already great don't get me wrong but uh, you know Apple for instance has not enabled very much with Bluetooth right why not have a um, a Bluetooth keyboard that, that mm-hmm. you could mount the iPhone on a little stand have a Bluetooth keyboard when you're in your hotel room at night uh, you can then use it much more like a MacBook Air you know? right uh, and you don't have to even have the three pounds of the MacBook Air to carry around you can still carry the iPhone in your pocket when you want it uh, I was just before we came over here uh, I was with a friend of mine we looked over at the iris booth to, to see the scanning pen and my friend said you know uh, he had seen a different brand of one that actually has a memory so that you can scan with it when it's not connected to a computer and then when you connect to a computer later you can then put the output on the computer uh-huh. and I said well that sounds convenient but how do you know when you're scanning 
that you're actually correctly getting the text that you want. You could you get to a computer later, and it could be in hieroglyphics. Right, right. And so I, then I started me thinking, well, that would be great, too. Imagine if you could have some convenient way to attach that OCR pen to your iPhone when you're traveling around. And mm-hmm. so then you just go boom, 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 and, and your iPhone screen shows you that you confirms that you actually got the text that you want. And on and on and on. I, I think, you know... Over the years, we'll, we are going to see you know, that the iPhone is really going to expand. Uh, and in, in, at the very least, next year, we're going to see a very different Macworld Expo in terms of the iPhone. You know, we, we used to joke about how Macworld Expo had become iPod Case Expo. Right, right. And, and uh, I think in a much more positive way, next year's Expo is going to be an iPhone Expo in the sense that when the SDK comes out in February, which is, for people who don't know, uh, we're going to allow officially supported, Apple-supported third-party uh, software, uh, there's going to be an explosion of software yeah. that will then be featured at the Expo. Right now, you'd be hard-pressed. I saw, I think I only saw one booth that actually had a example of software that you needed to hack your iPhone to use. It, mm-hmm. was, it was a, I don't know if you've seen, it was a way of um, converting... Um, a way of converting the iPhone camera so they can record video. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen that hack around. I haven't actually gone by that booth. Yeah, he, he's there. And, you know, but you have to hack the iPhone, and it has a right. limited appeal because most people are not willing to do that. Uh, but next year, when Apple, with Apple support, I bet you'll there'll be, you know, dozens of booths showing iPhone software. Well, it would be nice if they open it. Uh, oh, there, uh, there's one other vendor. Uh, Ecamm Networks is showing off iPhone Drive so that you can use the iPhone as a storage device and then copy uh, music off there. But I completely agree with you about um, Bluetooth. For example, this morning, as as you know, in the speaker's lounge, I was banging my head because my airport's dead. Um, And if I had any other cell phone, I'd say, oh, well, great. All I can do is I can use that as a modem and hook up. And I can't on the iPhone because Bluetooth is... like All I can use it for is headsets. And, And that seems silly to me that you have this great potential in, in Bluetooth and Apple simply hasn't turned it on or provided access to third parties. I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure I know why. I'm sure it has something to do with wanting to keep it a closed system, maybe something to do with the AT&T contractual arrangements, but yeah, at the very least you have a you have a 8 gigabyte flash drive, you should be able to use it to store files. Uh, right, right. Uh, but I'm, I'm assuming it's coming. Uh, you know, Apple has turned around its policy on ringtones, for example. It's much more liberal now than they were at first. And I expect we'll see, after the SDK comes out, a lot more opening up on the iPhone as well. Yeah. So. Now, uh, so that's what we saw in Keynote. Anything else that, that Steve highlighted that you thought, this is great? For, well, for example, a lot of people I talked to said, yeah, it was nice to have, you know, the wiggly, the shimmery icons mm-hmm. um, and be able to move things around. But you can do that with third-party hacks. Um, but many people were sort of surprised, like, well, that's great that you have these new little usability features, but what about copy and paste, for example? You know, some of the very basic things, or make Bluetooth more more functional. Well, yeah, I think the copy and paste will probably is going to wait until iPhone 2.0. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think we're going to see that in a software update anytime soon. Definitely a fine function, a copy and paste function, uh, all that would be useful. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that until after the G3 level right. iPhone comes out, and hopefully that will have built in um, GPS as well. There's another, and, uh, but uh, for the moment, I mean, the advantage of rearranging those things on the home screen is fun, but of course, I think that's just a setup for when third party software is out. There's no point sure. in it. He talked about how you can have up to nine home screens. Well, if you haven't hacked your iPhone, 
what are you going to do today with nine home screens? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, really, we're, that that is that is Apple's way of getting ready for the SDK that's coming out next month. Yeah. Well, I think one other thing they did in regards to the SDK. And this is much more with the iPod Touch. When they offer that update package, mm-hmm. I think that's really a kind of a way of testing mm-hmm. how they're going to distribute software. So we got a pretty good idea that mm-hmm. when you have an iPod Touch and you want to add those five applications mm-hmm. for $20, you've seen the mechanism now in iTunes. This is how you do it. You just go through it. You click the icon. Do I want to buy this? Yes, I do. And actually, have you seen the size of the of the package that, that no. you download? No. It's like 9K. Which I think hints to us because the um, what the iPhone one one three update is how how big? I haven't, I haven't even done it yet because I'm still not. That's right. I think a lot of us. No, we're not going to touch. I'm it. waiting until after the expo at the very least, and then I have to think whether I want to give up on, on the ability to hack my iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was over 150 megabytes because these iPhone and, and iPod Touch updates they're not just patching things; they're completely replacing the operating system and the right. firmware. But um, and so you get this little tiny file for twenty. You know, I mean, I know what you know. Divide twenty by nine k, and you can figure out what each application is worth. But I think what really is is true is that all those applications come with the update, and all that nine k thing is doing is flipping the switch to turn them all on and, and make them available. Yeah, it on certainly seems like it. What you're saying, yeah. Uh, you know, it also makes me wonder how much control Apple is going to maintain over third-party applications once yeah. the SDK comes out. If, if the only way that you can get them onto your iPhone is through iTunes, and then you have to get Apple's permission in order to make it available, I think we're going to see a lot of third-party utilities not really being available. So. Well, and that's what I wondered, because, for example, would they allow something like an instant messaging client, mm-hmm. because maybe they feel that eats into the SS, SMS market? Or one of the things that I like to use uh, is is a, a Finder-like utility on the iPhone that lets me look at all the files that are on the iPhone's hard drive. Does Apple want to let you do that officially? I don't know. So. Yeah. So if that's the case, do you think that there's a future to jailbreaking? Well, that will remain to seen, be seen until the SDK comes out. My guess is yes, but the problem will be Apple seems to ratchet up the uh, its, its ability to prevent you from jailbreaking each time they come out with an upgrade. And it gets very, and the rules seem to change as well uh, in terms of what, you know, the procedures that were used for jailbreaking no longer work in the next update, and then they have to find yet another way to jailbreak. And so, yeah. Uh, at some point, I think they're going to run out of ways to jailbreak. You, you keep thinking so, because I know whenever a new update comes out, everybody who's interested in jailbreaking goes, oh, that's it, heavens, you know, they've locked the door. And then you wait about three weeks, and a 12 year old finally figures out, ah, oh, no, 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 here's the way in. And, I don't know that this, yeah, that, you know, I'm purely speculation here, but I wonder if somebody at Apple isn't just sort of slipping somebody a note saying, uh, actually, this is the back door, because I have to believe that there are people at Apple today walking around with jailbroken phones because they're so functional and so much fun to use, and they don't want to wait for the SDK either. They, they want to use these mm-hmm. applications on their phone. Well, the way it worked in 1.1.1, where you could just go to that website and download, that's the way it should be. Yeah. And uh, you didn't have to do any multi-steps or downgrade your firmware or anything like that. And you didn't have to plug your phone into something else. It just happened over the air. And I'm I'm hopeful, though pessimistic, honestly, that, that after the SDK comes out, that some way to go... For beyond what what Apple officially supports is allowed through a similar mechanism, uh, that they'll find some way to do that again, or that Apple will simply allow it. But I'm not I'm not counting on. It. Yeah, well, I, I, 
nobody's made a big deal of it, but I thought it was a hopeful sign that when Steve came out and he said, we will allow, you know, we're opening this up to all third parties Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, yes, we're opening up to electronic arts. Right. And that's all. Well, I mean, and to me, ultimately, the iPhone is a Mac OS X computer. Right. And my personal bias is why can't I do on it what I can do on a Mac OS X computer like an iMac? I mean, Apple doesn't say, I'm sorry, you know, uh, software from Ambrosia won't, won't work on your iMac because we're going to block it. Right. Uh, nothing against Ambrosia. I like their software very much, but yeah. that's the first name that came to mind. Uh, so why should they say that about the iPhone? I know there are issues. I mean, yes, Apple will claim, well, you know, the, you know, it's a, it's a phone and it has to work as a phone and users will get very upset if they install some software and then they can't make a phone call the next day. Sure. But users get very upset if they install some software and then they get a blue screen crash the next day too. Uh, so, I mean, it's always a risk. And if Apple, you know, puts the, the appropriate warnings and says that you're, you know, you're doing this at your own risk and we're not going to be responsible, why not give me the power to do what I want to do? I, I don't need, you know, a, an Apple... As a, as a parent telling me that this yeah. is too dangerous for me to use. Yeah, I know, I agree with you. I think that Apple is, is clearly parental about the iPhone, where they are not with other devices. And it, it's sort of interesting for me to, to see the reaction of, of users who, who sort of, you know, they love Apple to, to death, and, uh, and they sort of buy into that, you know, like to say, well, Dad says we can't do this, so you shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, well, you know, yes, I'm breaking my warranty, but I'm not breaking the law. So if you don't want to do it, fine. Well, but, we, you know. we both know that because we've both written in yeah. various columns uh, about about the advantages and joys of hacking the iPhone, and I'm sure you've got the same sort of reader comments that I have where, yeah. you know, the typical one that, that was right off the bat when I wrote a column, I think the very first comment said, well, if you don't like the way Apple set it up, you don't have to use your iPhone. Just return it. Don't buy it. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah. yeah, that's like saying if I don't like President Bush, I can leave the country. You know, I mean... Uh, it's not a very positive response. Right, and, and terribly practical. So as you have wandered the show floor, are there, is there iPhone stuff out here? Yeah. Or is it, is it mostly such I kind of iPod and say, oh, oh and it works for the iPhone too? Well, there are, there are a few iPhones. Certainly there are some new iPhone headsets coming out. Right. You know, one, one of the problems, with there were two problems really with iPhone with the, uh, as, uh, in terms of third-party headsets. One, of course, was the fact that you couldn't plug it into the iPhone because of the narrower right. hole. Uh, there were adapters for that, but now they actually have headsets that fit into the iPhone. They even have headsets that, that have the the built-in microphone and remote control, so you can substitute entirely the, the, the headset that comes with the iPhone and not lose any of the functionality. Right, now Vmoto was doing that. Yeah. yeah anybody yeah, else? And, however it's pronounced, Edemotic. Edemotic, yeah. Has one that just came out. Oh, good. They also have a wireless Bluetooth uh, headset mm-hmm. uh, that works with the iPhone, not for music, but right. you, can, you can essentially a Bluetooth uh, hands-free device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are also uh, some uh, docking options, some more sophisticated docking options that I've seen for the iPhone, and, of course, ways which work for the iPod as well to hold the device so that you can view it as a screen without having to hold it with your hands. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, there's various hardware peripherals, which seems to be a big market. It's, it's just incredible to me the number of companies that can essentially come out with a variation of the same thing, you know, a, a case, uh, a docking station. I even saw, I think, one of the companies, uh, uh, probably shouldn't name it even if I could think of it, but, but they, they had a, uh, we got it free in our speaker bag, I think, um, where it was a, a, something that plugged in the wall. It was a power adapter plugged in the wall, and then you could plug in your iPhone or iPod to charge it directly with a little USB cord. 
Mm. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Apple makes that. Um, they, they give that to yeah, you it actually, in, in it actually the iPhone. comes with the iPhone. <laughs> I mean, I know it doesn't come with every iPod, but but it didn't look like I kept looking at it and saying, how does this improve on the one that Apple makes? What does it offer that the one that Apple makes doesn't offer? And I couldn't find anything as far as I could tell. Huh. Uh, and and yet there it was. And so I'm thinking, of, again, there are all there's a lot of there's a lot of um, redundancy in these products that from the different companies and. Maybe there'll be a shakeout at some point, but as long as they're making money, I guess they're well. I mean, if you look around the floor and see the number of iPod cases and now iPhone cases, no, I think people you know, they're very popular. People want new stuff and they want a new look for their iPod or their iPod or their iPhone, and so yeah, they think, no, oh, get a new no, case. I adopted a different policy with the iPhone for myself than I did with iPods. I've always had cases for iPods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I. At some level, I have to say, I always think cases are stupid, I have to say, because, uh, uh, even though I've been using them. Because my feeling is, here is this beautifully designed, super thin device yeah. that, that looks gorgeous when you buy it. And then the first thing you do is put a clunky piece of plastic or a neoprene and make it three times as thick as it was before. And, and also that you can protect something that you're never going to see again. If you never take the case off, what are you protecting it so that yeah. the day you sell it, the person you sell it to can say, oh, that looks very nice. <laughs> um, so uh, at some level, I, I just the whole idea of cases is, is not where I'm at. But nonetheless, just to protect the screen from scratches and keep the finish looking nice, I bought into the idea of cases for my iPods. But for the iPhone, I said no. I mean, this device, you know, I, I, I'm going to be putting it in and out of my pocket. I don't want any sort of flip case that I have to, or leather case that I have to take it out of. I don't want some big bulky thing. And it's built so solidly. I yeah. mean, that, that's, I did put the, the crystal film over the screen mm-hmm. just to protect it, but I'm not even sure that would have been necessary. And it's a, it, you know, it's a practically undamageable screen. The metal on the back is pretty scratch resistant. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm happy to just have the iPhone look, look the way it was when I took it out of the box and not cover it up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, for a while, I put it in the case because I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to damn, I'm going to scratch because I'm used to mm-hmm. having an iPod, mm-hmm. and so you don't want to scratch the back or the plastic front. But it's got that glass front on it, and I put it in my pocket all the time, unprotected now with keys and everything else in it. It's fine, and, and the back looks pretty good. I haven't scratched that up. So really, Apple did a beautiful job. I think cases make sense if uh, if you're routinely pulling your iPod out and you're a little clumsy and you're going to drop it. So in that case, yes, maybe having some kind of protection for it. But I, I don't think that they're nearly as necessary as they were for the iPod. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, we're also, I think we're, I'm hearing about some new speaker systems coming out that, I think somebody told me yesterday that, you know, we know the problem is that when you have your cellular phone functions on and you have it attached to a speaker, that you're going to get some kind of mm-hmm. interference. And um, unless you put it in airplane mode, if you put, right, if, so basically you switch all that stuff off. Uh, and I don't think speaker systems are out yet that sort of not, know how to work around that. Although I think I heard it was coming sometime next year that they're going to build some kind of circuit for it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. So, um, any other thoughts about the? The iPhone from a, uh, sorry, about Expo from an iPhone user's perspective? I think that pretty much covers the, the, the stuff I was thinking about. Um, good, because I want to talk about something else. Oh, good. Well, let's talk about something else. Well, let's talk about something. And the thing I want to talk about is I've heard you uh, speak several times on the Mac Notables podcast mm-hmm. about um, disk technology, D I S C technology. And lately, HD DVD 
has gone the way... I mean, the studios now are kind mm-hmm. of going, no, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and I know that you've talked before about, you know, sort of the, the compromise people are have you know, they finally have to commit, and so mm-hmm. you have not committed to one of these high-capacity storage mediums? No, I haven't uh, yet uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, one was what you're saying, the other was just price, and the other was... Sim- I simply haven't felt a big need. I don't... You know, I'm so... You're going to get me off on another... Sorry. You're going to get me off on another rant here where... Oh, good. Well, because, um, you know, for... You're mighty cantankerous well, for let, a 22-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, let me say a positive thing first. I think okay. uh, something we didn't talk about for the keynote, because it doesn't really have to do much with the iPhone, but gets to what you're talking about, is that the new Apple TV and the, and the movie rentals support downloads of high-definition movies. Right. And I, for me, that I, assuming that it really works well and I get into it, that's going to take a lot of pressure off wanting to get a, a high-definition DVD player and start buying Blu-ray discs or something mm-hmm. like that. Because, really, if I can conveniently rent the high-definition version, that's better than I... You know, right now, if I went to Blockbuster or Netflix, there's no... Uh, and I wanted to rent the DVD, there's either either they don't have a high-definition version of what I want, or even if they did, I, I can't use it because I haven't bought the DVD player now. Right. But now, with no hardware, because I already own an Apple TV, mm-hmm. with no additional hardware, starting in a week or so, I'm going to be able to rent high-definition versions of, of these movies. And so I think that further takes off the pressure. Um, but but getting back uh, to what you're going to say, I mean to what we were talking about in terms of uh, in terms of the HDD versus Blu-ray, it really bugs me that they the movie industry spends all this time trying to prevent you from transferring files from one location to another. They're getting a little bit better about that, as 20th Century Fox CEO right. mentioned at the keynote. But but uh, you know you, you can't copy it to your computer, you can't copy it from your TV uh, to a DVD, whatever. But yet, every time they come out with a new format, they want you to reinvest retail price to upgrade the movies that you've already purchased on DVD and previously right. ver- purchased on VHS, and you're now purchasing for the third or fourth time. Uh, th- there should be some trade-in program where you can say, here, here's, <laughs> here's my old DVD, sell me the, the Blu-ray version for half price or something like that. Right. Uh, and they don't do that. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced I really need a high-definition version of my entire movie collection yeah. to start to start investing in that format. The, the plain old DVD is pretty darn good for most of the movies that I need to see. Yeah, well, what about Apple is now taking the stance that they're kind of saying, well, the disc is dead to mm-hmm. them. And, you know, that was fine for maybe DVD, but now we've got high capacity. And it, and it isn't just for playing back uh, HD movies, but now... We have this storage medium because you know we all, mm-hmm. both of us deal with backup issues all the time. Mm-hmm. DVDs increasingly have, have become uh, a not terribly useful option for backing up because we're you know we're backing up lots and lots and lots of data. But however, now you have the option to back up to a Blu-ray disc if, if we're all going to settle on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think Apple is is going to skip Blu-ray as well or? I don't know. No, I th- I think we're likely to see as long as Apple's making optical drives, and I don't think they're going out of the optical drive business anytime soon. Uh, I think it's likely that we're going to see uh, a Blu-ray drive included as a standard option in you know iMacs uh, mm-hmm. at some future point. I think 
maybe even within this year we might see that. Apple's probably waiting maybe for the price to come down a bit, maybe for it to be clear that Blu-ray is the way it's going to go. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't talk to Steve much about that. We talk about other things. Cars and, yeah, and, yeah, you know, and, and beer. Vegan meals and things like that. <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> but I think it's likely that before the year is over we'll see a Blu-ray drive as an option, if not standard, on the iMac. So... Uh, but uh, and that would be convenient, as you're saying, because it has so much more storage space. And DVDs are still useful as storage for a more you know off-site reliable. Right. You know, it's one thing to have a one terabyte hard drive in your new um, airport, uh, whatever it was called, um, <clears throat> time time capsule. Time capsule, right? right. Uh, and but uh, you know if if you're if if you lose your stuff because your house is burgled and you're, and, and the and, and the thief takes all your stuff, he's probably going to take the time capsule, too. Right. Uh, and if you lose your stuff because your house is damaged in a flood or a fire or some other disaster, you know, you, you, every once in a while you want to think about off-site storage. And mm-hmm. Internet storage is one way to go, but still, DVDs is a good way to put stuff on storage and be able to conveniently move it to another location like a safety deposit box or something like that. So, right. uh, I think that's going to stay with us for a while, and Blu-ray will certainly make it easier to store a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think that Apple jumped the gun a little bit on downplaying the importance of DVDs? Apple, I think Apple's position was it wants to sell the MacBook Air. Yeah. And so the the MacBook Air doesn't come with an optical drive, so optical drives are therefore dead. (laughs) Well, but they hinted at that before when they released iLife 08 and and really did nothing to Mm -hmm. iDVD. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that was just sort of a way to say, well, we didn't have time to do that one. Or I don't like that product manager, so he's not going to get any money to develop this thing further. But it did see the message was, look, uh, you know, we think DVDs are dead. We're going to put everything on YouTube, and uh, that's well. I, I do think if that's the way things are going. You know, when there's when there's a faster, you know, the new internet that's supposed to be ten times faster than than the typical speeds that we see today, and so backing up to a to an internet backup will, will be a lot more feasible than it is right now when that happens when 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 Wi-Fi networks are significantly faster than they are in general now which is also coming right. uh, when when there are more devices like the MacBook Air that, that are popular and common yeah I think we're, we are going in the direction where everything will be transmitted wirelessly I mean mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that is the correct direction, and Apple maybe has jumped the gun a little bit, but that's what Apple does. You know, when 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 the original iMac came out without a floppy disk drive, people practically, you know, fell on the floor in some stroke. Or, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, my God, you know, how can you do that? And no and floppies. No floppies. It's never going to succeed. Huh. And uh, of course, now the floppy drive is dead. Yeah. And, and so. Uh, in fact, I'm always amazed when I go into Staples and see that they actually still sell floppy disks. I'm wondering who's buying them. So, um, <clears throat> but so yeah, I think Apple is a little bit ahead of the curve here, and that, that somebody has to take the first step. And Apple is often the one that's willing to take that risk. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned the iMac because Apple has provided that solution, mm-hmm. where uh, much like with the iMac, they said, okay, look, we're going to USB. If you really want floppies. Here, you know, there's at least one vendor that will sell you a USB floppy drive, and you can do that, and it worked fine. And now with the with the uh, Air, great. If you if you need to use an optical drive, ninety nine bucks, we make it. We're more than happy to take your money, and you know, although we think it won't be as elegant when you plug this thing into here, at least now you you have this option, so you can use optical, which I think is particularly useful when you're talking about doing something like reinstalling the Mac OS or installing something like Final Cut Studio. Can you imagine doing that 
over a wireless network. Yeah, even an end network will yeah. be tricky. So. I think that would just be nightmarish. And it still isn't clear, you know, another technical issue like that, it still isn't clear what happens when you want to run disk first aid to repair your disk. Yeah. And how that's going to work. Now, there, I've read reports on the web that Apple has some net-booting remote disk type of right. format that will allow that, but I was just at the Apple booth today, and two of the Apple reps standing by the MacBook Air claim not to know anything about that. So, yeah, um, I'm not saying that that means it isn't there. I think it is there. Yeah. Um, but I think it means that you know before you plunk down your $1,800 to get one, it might pay to wait to see how this is all going to shake out. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how this tests out because I, I think it's an intriguing idea. I think the technology sounds wonderful if it works exactly as they claim it will. Right. And I would hope that Steve wouldn't march out there and say, yes, this is the greatest thing that's ever going to happen, and then have it work sort of half-heartedly. So, um, yeah. I'm and even if it doesn't work, I'm sure three, four, five months later, it'll work a lot better because Apple is, is, is good at saying, okay, we didn't do it quite right here, but we'll get it working. So, But I don't know that I want to be the guinea pig that yeah. has to be using it before that three or four, five-month period has gone by. Yeah, but this is something that can't, they can't get wrong out of the box. I mean, if, if something were to happen to that that media or my hard drive and I need to reinstall the OS and that technology is not working well well they, they have the $99 drive again yeah, yeah but I've right. already paid 1800 bucks for this really 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 or, thin or maybe you paid 3000 bucks for the SD, SSD version of it well okay yeah and I know Apple sort of been people have looked at them cross-site but if you were to go out and buy that raw hunk of media it would cost you about a thousand bucks so I don't know that they're out of the out of the ballpark. Pricey was, I think, the word that Steve referred to it as. Pricey. Yeah. A bit pricey. Yeah, I'm not sure why anybody would want that option except to say, look, look what I've done. The only people that will buy that option are the people in which money doesn't matter. Well, and I think you've already sort of got a buyer in that market anyway. You know, people that are going to buy the Air are, you can get a very, very functional Apple laptop for that money that does a lot of stuff that the Air doesn't do, but of course it is not wafer thin and uh, you know as, as beautiful and elegant as, as the Air is. Definitely. But Chris is being fascinated by all the people walking by. I am. <laughs> this fishbowl experience is very interesting, and people I know are kind of coming kind of by and waving, you know, and they're like signaling at me and some sort of sign language, and I'm like, oh, actually, I'm on the Air. I can't talk to you right now, and my sign language is not very good. But uh, I would like to thank uh, senior contributor Ted Landau for joining me here in the Macworld Live podcast booth at Expo. Again, if you're around uh, Macworld Expo, come by the Macworld booth. We're on the 2600 row in the uh, South Hall, and you can peer in and, uh, and wave at us and, and make signy sort of signs at us, and, and we'll look at you like we don't know what you're saying, because we don't. And... Uh, <laughs> And thanks very much for listening, and uh, back to me. And that concludes this episode of the special Macworld Expo edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank our guests as well as you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415 520 9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Macworld Expo, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. See you next time.